Good evening. It is fantastic to be here. I promise I'm having fun. Um, just for a few minutes, we're going to look at God's Word tonight. But before that, let's turn to him in prayer. Dear Lord, I thank you that you are absolutely amazing. Thank you that we can all be here and that we can praise your name. I pray now for myself. Use me. May these not be my words, Lord, may they be yours. Give us ears to listen and give us hearts that are open. In Jesus' name, amen. Think back to summer 2018. Exams were over, the sun was out, and the England football team were in full swing in the World Cup. Having shrugged off stiff competition of footballing giants Tunisia and Panama, an entire nation started to believe. 55 million people trusted their team. The absolute warrior, Gareth Southgate, was leading his troops round by round, and with each match he instilled more hope into the fans of England. If you had asked any England fan that summer where football was going, they would have sang, football's coming home. It was really annoying. <laughs> um, they were certain of that. They were sure of it. Their hope was in their team. Then came the semi-finals, and the Croatians proved too much. England were out. Their dreams were shattered. They were certain football was coming home, but in the end, their hope was in vain. Unlike the sad summer for the English football fans, the passage we're looking at this evening tells us of a hope, a living hope, that we can have, and we can be sure that it will not fail. Let's start by looking at verse 3, and you can follow it on the screen. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. There's a couple of things made clear right at the start, and that's that we are shown great mercy, and that because of that we can have the living hope. To give you an example of mercy... Um, I didn't really need to give you this example, but I wanted to. So there's a game that some of you might know. We played it at Livewire. A few of us played this game. And it's called Get Rid of It. So the rules are quite simple. For example, Henry has his phone sitting beside him. And if I said, Henry, get rid of it, he would just have to throw it. He just has to get rid of it. Now, I don't make the rules, but I certainly follow them. And one day after Livewire, my good friend Andrew Murcroft bought a French fancy, and those are his favourite. So we got back, and just as he was about to take a big bite of this juicy French fancy, I couldn't resist, and to my shame, I said, Murcroft, get rid of it. Without hesitation, he won it. It was lobbed over the shoulder. He didn't like that, but he did it. He wasn't too happy, and later that evening, I'd made myself a nice cup of tea. Having known what I had done, I looked across the room and I saw Murcroft. I made eye contact with him, and he smiled. I said, no, please. <laughs> please don't do this. Please have mercy. And amazingly, he didn't say those words. I was able to drink my tea, and it was fantastic. Even though what I had done even though what I had done deserved punishment, I was shown mercy. 
In First Peter, the mercy we see here is incredible. Peter calls it great mercy. And God has shown us how to live, but we've gotten rid of that. You. Um, we've lobbed it over the shoulder and we try to do it on our own way. The truth is, we're all filthy, rotten dirtbags. Every one of us is full of sin, even Gilly. We have rebelled against God and we deserve nothing other than an eternity away from him. But yet as our God is so loving and he is so merciful, he has decided that he wants us. By his mercy, we see that he has caused us to be born again. And when we are born again, we are born as sons and daughters of God. We are his children and he is our heavenly father. In this new birth, we have this living hope. But what does that actually mean? Hope is a word we use all the time. We all put our hope in something. Maybe it's in our friends. Maybe we hope for success. Or you hope you can get that guy or girl. Or maybe you hope for good exam results. We all put our hope in something, whether we know it or not. Now, I'm not saying these things are bad, because they're not. Success is great. Um, Finding the love of your life is superb. And getting good exam results is really, really nice, so I'm told. But the truth is, none of these things last. One way or another, all these things will come to an end. We're looking at Ecclesiastes in CE at the minute, and it's a book written by Solomon, in which he basically says everything under the sun is meaningless. Everything on this earth is meaningless. The only life we should pursue is one with Christ at the center. Ultimately, putting our hope in anything other than Jesus is hopeless. Back into the verse, and it says, born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The living hope is only there because Jesus went to the cross and he died our death with all the weight of our sin. Three days later, he rose again. If Jesus had remained in the grave, we would have no hope. We would still be full of sin. But because Jesus did rise and he is alive, we can have this living hope. Jesus Christ is our living hope. And we can be sure of our inheritance because he rose and he is coming back. This living hope we can have is an inheritance. An inheritance is something that we have been given, we can be given, which we can't earn. The passage wants us to see the extremes of this inheritance, and Peter's really trying to get this point across. Our inheritance is imperishable. It is undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for us. Our inheritance is eternal. It will endure forever, it is pure, it will never go fusty, and it will never fail. It's being protected for us, and we're going to see that soon. But first of all, what is it? What is our inheritance? In Christ, our inheritance is everlasting life. This is a life with him, and as a Christian, it is a life we can be sure of. If you have put your trust and your faith in Jesus then this hope and this inheritance is certain. It's not like the England fans hoping football was coming home. Our hope as Christians is certain. Jesus was born, he lived and died for our sins, and he rose again and he is coming back. Why would you choose hopelessness when you can choose this inheritance? 
Moving on to verse 5, and it says, Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. As Christians, we have this inheritance. We know that. We have this living hope. We've learned that. And we're being guarded. We're being guarded, but what from? I hate to tell you, but even though we're Christians, we're not protected and guarded from suffering. We will all suffer. Peter tells us soon in the chapter that we will have trials. But we know that we are saved. And we can be sure that through God's power we will remain saved. It says in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. By God's grace, through faith, we have been saved from our sins. We are being saved from the power of sin, growing to be more and more like Jesus. Peter writes that we will be saved, even from the presence of sin in heaven. Our salvation will be fully revealed at just the right time. Until then, God guards us so that nothing can take our inheritance away. We know we are saved, and we know that we will remain saved by God's power. Verse 6 and 7 say, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may result may, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The life of a Christian is not free from suffering. We will have trials. But we need to know that these aren't pointless. Due to sin, the world is full of suffering. But as Christians, we have to realize that our suffering has a purpose. God uses our trials and our difficulties to refine us and to purify us. The suffering we have is used to make us more like Christ. Peter uses the illustration of gold being tested by fire. And what that actually means is, the way a blacksmith uses fire to remove impurities from gold, even when it's purified, eventually it will perish. The faith of a Christian that has been tested by trials is more precious than this gold because that faith does not perish. That faith is protected by God's power. In going through the trials we we face, we will see that our faith is true. Because of this, we can rejoice in our suffering because we know that our faith is true and we know its end result is praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Moving on to the last few verses, and they say, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. Jesus is in heaven, sitting at God's right hand. The people this message is addressed to have not seen him like us. We, we have not seen him, but still, as Christians, you love him. That is a sign of a genuine faith. If you believe in him and you love him, then your faith is genuine and real. The result of a genuine faith is seen at the end in verse 9, and that is the salvation of your souls. That's something we can rejoice in. 
just as we come to a close, our hope is alive. Without Jesus' death on the cross, there is no resurrection. Without the resurrection, there's no hope. Jesus is alive. He is our living hope. And we have to cling to that hope of our inheritance. Our inheritance is a future in heaven with him. We deserve nothing, but through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, we can have everything. What do you put your hope in? Is it in you? In your own achievements? Or is it in the Savior who has already defeated death? We will suffer. In this life as Christians, we will suffer. But we know that as we believe and we trust in Jesus, our suffering is refining us and purifying us to make us more like Christ. Our trials are not pointless. Our trials are preparing us for our inheritance, which is our future salvation. That is something that we can rejoice in. I am saved. I know that I am saved. And I know that I will remain saved. Not by my work, but because my inheritance is being guarded and protected by God's power. Peter calls us to rejoice when he says, Rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Do you do that? Do you rejoice as God is refining and purifying you? He's readying you for your inheritance. Salvation is forever. If you are a Christian and your faith is true, you are being prepared for your salvation, which is going to be revealed to you in God's perfect timing. Jesus came to earth and he died the death we deserved on the cross for all the sins. He rose again and he is alive. He is our living hope. And if you're a Christian, you can be sure of it. If you're not a Christian, can't you see what you're missing out on? It's plain and simple. You're his or you are not. You either walk the way of the cross or you walk the way of the world. You either have a living hope or you have no hope at all. Eternity is too much to risk. Salvation is forever. And if you're in Christ, death is not the last word. Death has been defeated. Because our sinless Savior died, we can live. But only if we give our lives to him. Easter brings Christians hope. A living hope that you can bet your life on. Our inheritance is pure and it is kept for us until that time that it will be revealed. Trust in the risen Savior and cling to the living hope of an eternity with him. Can I pray? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you that you sent your son to die for us. We thank you that you're so loving and you're so merciful that you have given us this living hope of our future inheritance, which is certain. 
be with us all now. Challenge us and refine us as you prepare us for our eternity. In Jesus' name, amen.